This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are going to be in the book of Genesis. We're starting a brand new series today called No Average Joe. No Average Joe. And uh, that is the restroom Joe right there. That is the man, uh, the restroom man. Uh, but we are, we're going to be talking throughout this, this study on finding the extraordinary in the ordinary. Genesis chapter 37 is where we will be this morning. And just to be honest with you, we're going to kind of start in Genesis 37. And then we're going to piece together a story from previous chapters that kind of uh, begins this series today. So we'll have everything on the screen for you, or if you have your Bible or some sort of app, uh, you'll be doing some, uh, some thumbing through and finding some places today. But no average Joe finding the extraordinary in the ordinary. And the reason that I named it uh, this is very simply, uh, Joseph is probably, we've all heard the story of Joseph, or we, we're familiar somewhat with the story of Joseph and many of the Old Testament heroes of the faith in the Old Testament, there was some uh, miracle. There was a Red Sea crossing miracle. There was a uh, uh, speak to the rock and water comes out miracle. There were uh, there were a flood, surviving the flood miracle. There were huge events that took place that we say, okay, that's how I know Noah. Okay. That's how I know Moses. That's how I know David. Man, he defeated Goliath with just a sleep. And we know everybody kind of through those miracles, right, or those big things. And Joseph is an Old Testament uh, uh, character um, that, to be honest with you, there's nothing extraordinary about Joseph's story. There was no amazing miracle that Joseph performed. Uh, There was no uh, healing maybe that Joseph uh, performed. There was nothing that we look at Joseph's life for what it is and we don't say, wow, like extraordinary. Like, did you see him as he just went like this and that water parted? No, like there's nothing like that. There's no Elijah moment where he prays and fire falls down from heaven. There's nothing extraordinary about the life of Joseph. Joseph was from the lineage of Abraham, as we will see in today's uh, sermon. Uh, And he has a a line of people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are three, uh, his his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather. And if we just say those names, all of us think in our heads, those are great people in the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what we're going to talk about today is the title of the sermon is A Broken Family Tree. A broken family tree. You see, much like Jesus, much like Jesus, Joseph has a family tree that's got some history. How many of you would be, if you're very honest, you're like, Josh, I don't have to go far on my family tree to find some history, right? Raise your hand if you've got, hey, raise your hand if you've got maybe an uncle or a cousin that you're not, that you're kind of, you're like, when that guy shows up to Christmas, it's like, okay, here he is. Oh, here she is, right? We've all kind of got, and I'm actually not going to say anything about my family because I think some of them watch our sermons uh, online afterwards. And so I love all my uncles and my aunts and my cousins. You guys are amazing. But the fact is this, if, if we could be honest today, we, we've probably all had some people and we're like, okay, here they come. Maybe it's a friend where you can relate to that. It's like, okay, here comes that crazy friend, right? The party is about to completely shift. Like, everything's about to change. But Joseph and Jesus 
have parallels throughout their lives. And as we study through this life of Joseph, we're going to hit on many of the parallels that these men have, Joseph and Jesus. One of them being today's sermon, and that is they have both of a family tree that could be less than desirable. And I won't go through all of Jesus' family tree history. We'll hit that at some point in time, probably as a Christmas sermon at some point. But, I mean, Jesus had prostitutes in his lineage. Um, Jesus, had, uh, Jesus had murderers in his lineage. And so Joseph today, we're going to talk about his broken family tree. Genesis chapter 37 verse 1 says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. So those were his brothers. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil reports. Now Israel, or another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, guide us through your word. I pray that we're clear in our communication today. Holy Spirit, I pray you would illuminate passages of scripture and that you would open our hearts and minds to hear us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to basically take a walk through the family tree of Joseph this morning, and we're going to highlight some men and ladies in his family tree and some of the issues and problems that happened in Joseph's family tree. And then what we're going to do at the end is we're going to practically apply that to our lives and how what our family history has been does not have to be our history. Uh, what our family history has been doesn't have to be our future. It doesn't have to be our destiny. And we're going to bring that together at the end. But first, right off the bat this morning, I want us to see Abraham, uh, his, his, his great grandfather. A couple of things about Abraham. Now, we, we know some amazing things about Abraham. God promised uh, to, to bless his, his seed, and God promised Abraham many things. But Abraham lied in Genesis chapter 12 and said that his wife was his sister. Now, come on. Like, I know it's Old Testament, but that's still weird. All right, so I know there was a lot of things that happened in the Old Testament that wouldn't be happening in 2018. By the way, they were still wrong back then, many of them, as they are today. But Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 10, uh, there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to stay there for a while because the famine in the land was severe. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, Look, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. And they will kill me, but let you live. Basically, Abraham is saying, I'm an ugly fool, and you are pretty. That's what he is saying. He says, please say you're my sister, so it will go well for me because of you. And my life will be spared on your account. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptian, uh, Egyptian saw the woman, was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. So the woman was taken to Pharaoh's household. He treated Abram well because of her, and Abram acquired flocks and herds, male and female donkeys, male and female slaves, and camels. So wait, great Abraham? Father Abraham? This man lied about his wife. And I, this is a great Sunday for the kids to be in here. Uh, lied about his wife, said that it was his sister, and then followed through. I mean, Old Testament language here. But the Egyptians took her into Pharaoh's household. I'll keep it very PG for you, right? But they took her into Pharaoh's household, became a part of Pharaoh's house. 
And as a result, Abraham, mighty father Abraham, received money and received flocks and received servants as a result. Wickedness. A sinfulness in the life of Abraham. And here's the bad thing. Not only did Abraham do this in Genesis chapter 12, but fast forward eight chapters in Genesis chapter 20, not once, but twice. From there, Abraham traveled to the region of the Negevs and settled between Kadesh and Shur. And while he was staying in Gerar, Abraham said about his wife Sarah, She is my sister. So King Abimelech and Gerar had, had Sarah brought to him. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, You are about to die because of the woman you have taken, for she is a married woman. Hey, Abraham, it wasn't bad enough that you did this one time. One time you did this, and another king took your wife into his house, and you got all this stuff because of it. I mean, that's wickedness. Not only, but just a few years later, you do it again. You do it again. And only by God's grace did he speak to Abimelech and say, hey, please do not follow through with this. Hey, a messed up family tree beginning all the way back at his great-grandfather Abraham. You remember Abraham, even though God had promised Abraham a son, God said that I'm going to make of you a great nation. Okay, let's think about it. You're, you're a man, your wife, you guys have not had children yet, and God says, I'm going to make a great nation out of your, your seed, your children. That means we're going to have children. God makes you that promise, we're going to have children. But you know what, Abraham, he hears that promise, and he doesn't wait for God. And so instead of waiting for God and taking his wife to have children with, he gets ahead of God. And says, no, my timing is right. Your timing isn't right. And he has a child by his slave girl named Hagar and had a son by her. And his name was Ishmael. And fast forward thousands of years and the Palestinian and Jewish hatred that's going on. Everything you hear when you hear the term Gaza, you hear the Gaza Strip, the war over there happening, all of the, the, the Islamic versus the, the Jewish uh, tension that's over in the Middle East right now, guess what? That is all can be traced back to Hagar's son Ishmael. You see, Abraham, Joseph's great-grandfather, had some issues. Had some issues. And not only did Abraham have those issues, but Isaac, his son, Joseph's grandfather had his own issues. Isaac obviously showed favoritism to his son Esau over Jacob. Genesis 25 says, And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So Isaac, not being the, the parent, how many of you understand if you have multiple children, you love your children the same, they're very different, but you love them the same. He showed obvious favoritism, but that wasn't his only sin. See, Isaac, just like his dad, he also lied and said that his wife was his sister. What is it with these guys? Right? Like, I mean, so what? You got a pretty wife. Like, deal with it, man. Like, you married her, right? But in the same country, Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca because she was fair to look upon. Man, these guys are, these are not the guys you want to bring home to mama. These guys, man, and here's the thing. It's not, 
the motivation behind it is fear. Like, I don't want to be killed. And so here, take my wife. Like, don't kill me, take my wife. Uh, wickedness. And, and by the way, just because it's Old Testament, don't let that fool you. It's, it's, it was wickedness back then, just like it would be today. Can you imagine something like that happening today? I, like my, I got a pretty wife, and I'm afraid you're going to kill me for her. So yeah, just go ahead and take her. Um, that that doesn't, doesn't really happen. And if that happened today, uh, man, it would be, I mean, it would be, we would all be like, whoa, take a step back from the situation. But Isaac, his grandfather, then you have Rebecca, his grandmother. Rebecca connived with her son Jacob to steal the blessing that rightfully belonged to her other son Esau. Let's look at the wording in Genesis chapter 27. Beginning in verse 5 says, Now Rebekah was listening to what Isaac said to his son Esau. So while Esau went to the field to hunt some game to bring in, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Listen, I heard your father talking with your brother Esau. He said, Bring me game or you know, a, 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 uh, a deer or, and make a delicious meal for me to eat so that I can bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me and do what I tell you. Go to the flock, bring me two choice young goats. I will make them into a delicious meal for your father, the kind he loves. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. This was Joseph's grandmother. She, she was a conniving she loved Jacob more than she loved Esau. And she said, listen, not, not only do I love you more, I want to connive with you against my own husband and help you lie to receive the blessing that rightfully belongs to your brother. And, 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 and don't be fooled. Jacob went along with it, but Jacob was instigated by his mother, Rebecca. Once again, a family tree. I mean, can you imagine? It would be the, the equivalent to that in 2018 would be that the ritual would be that, hey, if you're the firstborn son or daughter, then your parents pay 100% for your car when you graduate high school, and they pay all, for all your college, and they give you X amount of money when you're getting married, right? But for those that aren't the firstborn, they don't get that, right? That would be the equivalent of it in 2018. Like the firstborn gets all the perks, the other ones don't. And if, if you're in here and you got multiple siblings, just praise the Lord that it's not like that. Maybe your parents have the other philosophy. We ain't giving none of y'all nothing. All right, figure, figure it out for yourself. So that's, that's, that was kind of, yeah, anyway, kind of my situation. But that would be the equivalent today of a mother saying, hey, let, let me help you work around. I know what your father said. But let's, let's steal that. You know, that, that 30, 40 grand a year and that car, and that we're going we're gonna to work our way around that. It's just the conniving evil really that Rebecca and here's the deal she didn't just do it she convinced someone else to do it and she didn't just convince someone else to do it she convinced her own son to do this man Joseph has a family tree that's a little weird Joseph has a family tree that's a little less than desirable in fact let's look at his father Jacob we mentioned that he had stolen the blessing from his brother Esau, but he also stole his brother's uh, birthright. Um, Genesis 25, verse 29 says, When Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field exhausted. He said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stuff because I'm exhausted. That is why he was also named Edom. Jacob replied, First sell me your birthright. His own brother just wanted something to eat. Give me your birthright. Jacob said, Swear to me 
For, uh, verse 32, look, said Esau, I'm about to die, so what good is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to him. Then Jacob gave bread and lentil stew to Esau. He ate, drank, got up, went away. So Esau despised his birthright. Man, Jacob, his father, was a trickster, uh, tricking his, his brother uh, into selling him his birthright, tricking his father into giving him the blessing. And here's the thing, he got, he got older, he got married, he was ready to get married, he went to him, uh, the father, his future father-in-law, said, I want to marry your daughter. His father-in-law says, great, work for me for seven years. He works for him for seven years. Man, I don't know if anybody's worth that. But, work for him for seven years, it's time to get married. They had like a veil, and I guess you didn't see her back in the day. And he gets married, and he takes the veil off, and it's not beautiful, Rebecca, it is his, I forget the exact terminology in the Bible, but it is his more difficult to look at sister, Leah, that he did not love. And he marries his wife's sister and her after being tricked, ironically, the trickster. Jacob, the trickster, was deceived by his father-in-law, which I think is karma, working uh, right in there uh, to him. But he married his wife's sister and her. And not only did Jacob, Joseph's father, have children by both of his wives, Leah and Rachel, but he also had children with each of their servants, Zilpah, the servant of Leah, and Bilhah, the servant of Rachel. And Jacob, Joseph's father, he had children by four different women. He was a liar, and he was a trickster. He showed obvious favoritism, to the sons of his wife, Rachel. We read in our text in Genesis 37, how Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. You see, Jacob loved Rebekah. Jacob loved Rachel, I'm sorry. He loved Rachel and he wanted, he blessed, or his favorites were her two sons, which would be Joseph and Benjamin. I say all that this morning to say this. Lest you think your past has some issues in it. Lest you think your family has some problems. We're going to study over the next few weeks a man who has some serious issues in his past. Some serious uh, family uh, problems. And that's not even to mention today his uncle Esau who tried to kill his father. And the New Testament says God hated Esau. That was his uncle and there's more that we could go over. But what, did, what does this tell us this morning? And what can we learn from this broken and messed up family tree? That's, that's today's message is, is right here. What can we learn from all these passages of Scripture that we've read? What can we learn and move forward as we begin this study? What can we learn? Number one, I want us to learn this. Your past does not determine... Your future. Your past does not determine your future. In fact, a a phrase that I, I often hear people say is, that's just the way I am. Or that's just the way I was raised. And let me say this to everyone who kind of makes that statement. Hey, you don't have to be the way that you were raised. And you don't have to be just the way that you are. In fact, the way that you are got changed the day that you accepted Jesus Christ. And who you are, your identity is no longer in who you are, it's in who Jesus is. And so our identity 
is different. Your past this morning does not determine your future. In fact, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hey, this morning I want to say very encouragingly and positively to you this morning, stop making excuses for yourself. Your past does not determine your future. Hey, you may look back in your family, you may look back in your own life, and you may see some things there that you wish you could change. Hey, let me tell you something, you can't change anything in your past. The only thing you can do is from today, the very, the very moment we live in, from this moment forward, hey, by God's grace, things will be different. Your past does not determine your future. Well, you know, you know me. When this happens in my life, I always fill in the blank. Hey, you know when that happens to me or when that person says that, I always... You know, that doesn't have to be the case. That doesn't have to be the case. Your past does not determine your future. Secondly, on that, in, uh, in that same vein this morning, the strongholds of your family do not have to be your strongholds. The strongholds of your family do not have to be your strongholds. Hey, just because whatever it is runs in your family does not mean it has to run through you. Hey, listen, just because your mom or your dad struggle with addiction does not mean you have to let addiction take control of your life. Just because your grandpa was an alcoholic and your dad was an alcoholic does not mean you have to become an alcoholic. Just because your dad or your mom was, or was maybe lived a sexually immoral life doesn't mean you have to give in and live a sexually immoral life as a result. Don't let the devil fool you into thinking that family problems have to be your problems. Hey, at some point in time, somebody's got to break the mold. Hey, at some point in time, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, at some point in time, there's got to be a Joseph. There's got to be somebody that breaks that mold. Hey, listen, in every alcoholic's home, in every addict's home, hey, listen, they have children. And I think if every addict alive on this earth would be honest, they would say, I pray to God that my kids don't have to go through what I'm going through. Hey, listen this morning, do not use that as an excuse. I've heard it said, and many of us have heard this, a wise man will learn from his own mistakes. How many of you agree with that statement? I agree with that statement. Hey, a wise person will learn from their mistakes. Okay? I don't, you know, there's many names that we could call it, but if you continue to do the same mistakes over and over again, I mean, you got problems and we really need to talk, right? So a wise man will learn from his own mistakes. But let me submit this to you this morning. An even wiser man will learn from the mistakes of others. Let me repeat that so that it sinks in. Hey, a wise man will learn from his own mistakes. An even wiser man will learn from the mistakes of others. And what we find here in the life of Joseph is we find a man who learned from his family's mistakes. We find the life of a man who saw his dad and his, his grandpa and his grandma and his mom and his great-grandfather and he saw the mistakes that they made and he learned from them. Hey, listen, I don't have to walk out into the middle of Fayetteville Road and get hit by a car to realize that I shouldn't be walking out in the middle of Fayetteville Road. I'm perfectly fine letting someone else teach me that. I'm perfectly fine. If anybody wants to, you know, go right ahead. Be my guest. It ain't going to be me. 
Right? I, I, look, I don't have to walk into the corner of this thing and hit my head on the corner of this, of this pulpit right here to know that's going to hurt. I'll let some kid do it, right? Go ahead, you run into it. It hurts. I'm not going to do it. I don't have to put my hand on the stove to realize that it's hot. And for some reason in our Christian lives, we've almost, especially, and it's, it's only, this is not uh, on purpose because there's college kids in here, but we almost give this like free pass. Hey, from the time you're like 16 until the time you're 30, you can basically just make whatever dumb mistakes you want to make in your, in your whole life and then you'll just figure it out by the time you're in your 30s. You don't have to learn from your own mistakes. You can learn from the mistakes of other people. In fact, a wise person, the wisest person, will learn from the mistakes of others. Learning from others' mistakes because the strongholds of others in your family do not have to be your strongholds. You can learn from their mistakes. Thirdly, this morning, God can use you to reverse decades of negativity and sinfulness in your family. I mentioned this, but it's got to stop somewhere. Hey, the vicious cycle of sin, the vicious cycle of addiction, the vicious cycle of whatever it is has to stop somewhere. And my question to you this morning is why not you? What if God wanted you to use you to break the decades and years of sinfulness in your family? What if God had a better life chosen for you and for your family and for your future family? What if God wanted to show his life-changing power in your life so that your family would see that there can be a difference. Hey, what if God wanted to use you to reverse decades of negativity and sinfulness? What if God wanted to use you? Hey, it's, it's, a, it's a biblical principle that I don't necessarily think is cut and dry, but the best, basic biblical principle is, is so oftentimes the sins of the father become the sins of the son. And the, the sins of that son become the sins of the next son. And then the sins of... It's kind of a biblical principle that if you look at it through Scripture, there's patterns there. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Not forgetting the family tree of Jesus. Rahab the harlot and David the adulterous murderer and so on and so forth. God used Jesus to reverse decades, thousands of years of sinfulness. And God can use you to break that cycle in your family. Remember that's just who I am or that's just the way I am, that doesn't work. That doesn't work because God wants to reverse that sin. God wants to reverse those things in your life that have plagued your family for so long. And lastly this morning, and very generally speaking, but I believe this with all my heart, God specializes in making something out of nothing. God specializes in making something out of nothing. God loves taking messed up situations and messed up families and, and messed up people and making them trophies of His grace and trophies of His glory. God loves doing that. And let's be honest, had I not attached the names Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the, to the stories that I told at the beginning of the sermon, you would be like, man, Joseph was born into basically nothing. Like Joseph was born into like horrible situations and sin. We like to give those guys credit because of the good that they accomplished. But the truth is, Joseph was born into nothing. And as the story of Joseph will play out over the next few weeks, 
we will see that Joseph goes from nothing, from being sold into slavery by his own brothers, to being, the first they wanted to kill him, and they decide not to. They throw him into a pit, and they sell him as a slave. He gets thrown in prison. He gets out of prison. And you know what? He gets promoted to second in command in the land. God can make something out of nothing. Hey, you may think today that your situation is completely lost and it's completely gone and that relationship is done, but God can make something out of nothing. God can take the negative and make the negative a positive. He can take the sinful. He can make the sinful righteous. He can take decades of sin and turn it into decades of good. He can take dead things and make them alive. And he proves it in the life of Joseph. Today I want to ask you, would you bury your past? Would you bury your excuses? Would you bury your family history? Paul said it like this, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forth to the things which are before. Would you forget those things which are behind? Would you reach forward to the things which are before you? Because God has an amazing, abundant, and glorious life planned for each one of us. But we will never fully activate God's purpose in our lives if we are constantly living and dwelling on the problems that we have been handed down from our past. You must press on and you must move forward and you must decide to be a cycle breaker. Hey, just because the devil had his grips on everyone else doesn't mean the devil has his grip on you. And starting here or starting today, we need to say, hey, listen, I will be a Joseph. A Joseph who, yeah, I understand the sins of my father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and others in my family. I get it. Hey, I, I, I know the devil would love nothing more than for me to continue in that same cycle of sin in my life. But we need some people today that would determine by God's grace and through the power of His Spirit, not, not on, by, based upon our works, but by God's grace, I want to be a cycle breaker. Hey, listen, I want for Jesus to be real in my life, and I want Him to make me a different person. I want to be called and living according to the purpose that God has for my life. And let me just say this, God had an amazing purpose for Joseph. It was an amazing purpose. Joseph saved millions of people because of, of what God used him in, in second in command in Egypt. Joseph saved, not only did he save his brothers, and we'll talk about it, and he saved his own family, but he saved just hundreds of thousands of people. God had a purpose. And God has a purpose for your life. And I will say this. This will only happen, this purpose that God wants to live out in your life, and, and this cycle breaking is only going to happen with step one being a personal, legitimate, real relationship with Jesus. Listen, we talked about the parallels between Joseph and Jesus. You're going to hear, you're going to hear Jesus a lot over the next few weeks. I apologize in advance at church, right? You're going to hear about Jesus. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, none of this takes place on your own. It takes place because God has a purpose in your life, and your number one purpose is to glorify Him by giving your life to Him, by putting your faith 
and your trust 110% in Jesus. And you say, okay, Josh, I was raised in church. I get it. Well, so was I. I was a pastor's son, and I was 19 years old before I trusted Christ. I get it. I know that I may be preaching to some people who've been in church their entire life, and I'm not asking you, have you been in church your entire life? I'm asking you, do you have a real, legitimate, personal relationship with Jesus? That's what I'm asking you. That's a different question. Has there been a time in your life where you've repented of your sin, you've placed your faith and confidence 100%, not in what you can do, not in pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, not for giving a little bit more money or being faithful here or being a good citizen here, no, but just in the finished work that Jesus performed on the cross. Has there been that time? Hey, listen, we all have messed up family trees. We all got sin in our lives. We all got problems. But guess what? We've got a problem solver in Jesus. Hey, we've got history of issues that can, be, that can be taken care of in one instant. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you today, if you have never begun a, a personal relationship with Jesus, would you make today that day? Would you make today that day? Secondly, if you're in this room, you're like, I, I know that, I, that Jesus is my Savior. I have a personal relationship with Him, a legitimate, authentic relationship with Jesus. I want to ask you then, Whatever it is in your life that you kind of make those excuses for, oh, that's just who I am. That's just me. When I get mad, I just fill in the blank. Oh, that's just me. You know, like when this situation happens, I just, I just always do this. Can I ask you this morning to repent of that, can I say it this way, that humanistic way of thinking? To repent of that fleshly style of living and say, listen, I want to be a cycle breaker. Hey, the next time that happens, whatever it is, the next time that happens, I'm not going to respond this way. You know why? I'm going to break that cycle. I'm going to respond as Christ would have me respond. Hey, listen, I'm going to, when that situation, that relationship comes up, instead of me saying this, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say whatever Christ would have me to say. I think if there's one thing that as I was dating my wife and as we, uh, we began getting closer and closer and engaged and eventually got married. We had those conversations about uh, every time you get married, you know, every time you get married, uh, for me, uh, the one time I got married. Uh, but uh, every time someone gets married, you go through that expectation. Okay, well, in my family, we squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom all the way up until it goes out. Praise the Lord. You don't squeeze it at the top and then like it all gets clogged down the bottom and then you got to, right? I mean, come on. You, when you put the toilet paper on, if we have any under people here, you put the toilet paper on over where it falls over. Am I right? Okay. That has caused many a marriage problem. But you know what? My wife and I had to come to grips with the fact of, with both of us. Hey, that's just the way I do it. That doesn't work anymore. We're establishing our family here. And it's not the way I do it. I say, hey, what are we going to do? Hey, we found out very quickly in our marriage relationship, that's just the way I am. I didn't cut it. It didn't cut it for me. It didn't cut it. And by God's grace, you don't have to be the way you are. And it's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.com. 
please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.